0: I am joined by Greg Barton, who is a pharmacist. I thought I'd start, Greg, by just asking what is the role of a pharmacist within critical care and how is that different to, say, the role of a ward pharmacist? So a
1: lot of the elements are, are very similar. Uh, our training is master's degree, followed by your pre-reg year, followed by some generic clinical pharmacy training, and then you specialise. And so Beyond that, there's no specific training to make you a critical care pharmacist as such or a endocrine pharmacist or cardiology pharmacist. A lot of it is essentially what you pick up on the job, so to speak. So there's nothing mandated beyond that. Um, critical care pharmacy has done a lot to sort of focus the mind of the critical care pharmacist. Though. And there is a lot of things that we've looked at to develop ourselves. So through the UKCK, the group that I am a chair of, so this you know will sound like a plug. Uh, But we do a lot of education and development. We've worked closely with people like FICM and the ICS and Department of Health in the past to develop syllabuses, credentialing, so a a way of examining what sort of level a pharmacist is at. Uh, And then the Royal Pharmaceutical Society have brought up a faculty. So you can prove, again, that you're of a certain level. But again, that isn't really specific. To critical care. So the main differences would be generally in a ward, you're in a specialist environment. We take out, say, ED or MAU. In a specialist environment and your knowledge is in a specialist area, Crit care is fairly generic where you could see anything from a surgical patient through to a post-MI through to some sort of you know thyrotoxic crisis. So you have a general knowledge of a lot of different things. I think that would be one of the first Places. So you don't specialise into one knowledge, you specialise into multiple things. Uh, the next thing is your patients, uh, if it's a ventilator or a level three patient, unable to communicate with you. So that does make a big difference to how you approach the patient. And it's probably the one area in the hospital where you can't get the patient as a resource um, for things like your medicines reconciliation and checking compliance and things like that. Uh, the next thing would be how accepted into the multi-professional team we already are. So. Most IT pharmacists, given the opportunity, are involved in the ward round, and uh, I think that's probably different from most of the rest of the hospital. I think it's probably rarer to be on a, a medicine ward round or a surgical ward round as a pharmacist where it's commoner on intensive care, um, and so I suppose there are the generic differences in approach. The underlying knowledge is still largely the same in terms of the things you need to know, though so your drug interactions how those drugs interact with the body, pharmacodynamics, pharmacokinetics, monitoring of the drugs—all uh, that sort of stuff—is largely the same. It's just the drugs are different, and you're not often taught about intensive care type stuff at university. So, whereas you learn about a blood pressure being taken by a, a blood pressure cuff or whatever, and you know you monitor your hypertensive patients, you don't learn about a mean arterial pressure. But that's not taught. So you tend to pick that up as you develop your
0: critical care role. So there's a lot of learning about some of the particular aspects of critical care, more uh, almost an on-the-job learning that happens then? It can be. And
1: because of that, we try to formalise it with the curriculum and the syllabus. And this has been going over the last, say, 15 years or so. The curriculum sort of suggesting what would be a a basic level of knowledge uh, and what would be a more advanced level of knowledge or what you would expect somebody to know who was a specialist somebody who was new to coming to critical care. So we kind of break everything down into foundation-level knowledge, we call it, uh, and then you're either a specialist or core knowledge, and they do the same for advanced-level knowledge. So you can have knowledge that's applicable, say, fluid management. You'd expect somebody in ED or MAU or a surgical ward to have an understanding of fluid management. So that's not sort of specific to ITU, but you might expect, say, vasopressors to be more ITU-specific knowledge.
0: And when you say a curriculum, is that a dedicated critical care pharmacy training curriculum that you have to go through?
1: It's there, but you don't have to go through it. So nothing is currently mandated. And there's nothing really that you have to do. Things like GPICS, we've worked into the standards that if you're working independently to be at a certain level, an advanced level, if you're working within a team, as long as you've got access to advanced level pharmacists, you can be at foundation level. But in a workforce survey we did about Four or five years ago now, there was quite a lot of people that didn't even necessarily class themselves as foundation level. But again, there's nothing mandated to make you go through any of these processes. So if time allows and I get in early enough, I'll attend the morning handover, mainly just to get a handle on what's happened overnight, who's come in, what movement there's been. After that, generally do what pretty much any other pharmacist would do going out to the ward. So you check who's new. You, you get your part of your meds rec done. So summary care record allows you to access the GPs and, and the list of their regular medicines. And so you kind of crack on with all that sort of stuff, look at some bloods if you need to, look at drug levels, various things, if anything's cropped up from handover, might need looking at before the ward round. Uh, and then usually half you should get yourself onto the ward round. But I think the ward round attendance is really important and there's quite a lot of studies really looking at critical care pharmacists or at least pharmacists in critical care to see how the system and the patients benefit from you being there. And the studies showing that it's not just about attending intensive care and popping around the beds, being on the ward round and making some proactive interventions is beneficial. And so we did a quite a large study in the UK called Protected UK, 21 ITU sites. And it was two weak point prevalence. I think we looked at about, we made about 6,000 interventions in the end, but half of those were all Proactive, so medicines optimizations rather than reactive picking up of errors. And obviously, those proactive interventions, a lot of those actually happen at the point of prescribing, which tends to be the ward round. So you can make quite a lot of significant uh, interventions by being on the ward round. So it's pretty important to get on there. So most places are now aware of that. Most pharmacists try and get on the IT ward round. That can obviously take up most of the morning. Generally, a lot of people probably don't get is that you kind of tied up on the water and unless you're very, very good at multitasking, you kind of need to give all your attention to the team because there'll be the consultant making decisions, there'll be general chat about stuff that you want to contribute to. There's also an opportunity for a bit of education and stuff. So you might teach some of the junior doctors or the nursing staff, medicine related things you're going around or people have questions for you. So to do the other stuff, like chat to the patients if they're actually awake, check their compliance, finesse your meds rec, You can't really do that at the same time on the ward round. So you tend to see everybody twice, basically, is what I'm getting at. So you'll spend your morning on the ward round, some part of your afternoon, going back around again, tidying up, Mm. seeing patients again. You know, a bit like the junior doctors, you know, post the ward round, you come away with tasks and jobs. Mm. And so there's stuff for you to sort out. And then if you then get time, (laughs) uh, you then will... Sit yourself down and and start going through the more sort of global tasks, whether that's finance reports for the department, looking at drug spend, coming up with guidelines, formula applications for new drugs. So there's an endless list of things that you can busy yourself with and your day very quickly gets away from you.
0: Yeah, so um, a a little bit more than just making sure we prescribe gentamicin correctly. Yes, in a nutshell. Bearing in mind the the flippant comment I just made, what do you think the sort of the common misconceptions of the role of a pharmacist in critical care um, are?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't know about specifically in critical care. I think generally pharmacists can be thought of as being pedantic and maybe a bit black and white. And doctors can be very laid back about the significance of the things they're prescribing. Pharmacists can be very uptight. Uh, and that balance work generally works nicely. Uh, I mean, it stops people from getting carried away with themselves and acts as a gatekeeper. I think on ITU, you've possibly got to think or be a bit more relaxed about things because a lot of stuff is used outside of its, you know, off-label, outside of its license. There are times where you've got to make a decision fairly quickly. Saying you'll get back to somebody at the end of the week isn't necessarily helpful. You know, people want a decision there. And then on the ward round, you've got to be confident in your own abilities, not black and know where to draw the line, but nowhere to look stuff up. And so I think anybody that's worked with a pharmacist in critical care very quickly will see what they've got to offer. And so I don't think you're seen as being pedantic or maybe so black and white, but you're seen as being helpful, whether it's trainees, FY2s, or right through to the consultants. Everybody now seems to appreciate what a pharmacist can input. Same goes for the nurses, the physios, I have a good group of dietitians, We have a good relationship with all of them. And, you know, regularly I'll get approached by one of my dietetic colleagues or a physio to ask a question, advice. I think so. We're already getting somewhere in critical care. I think pharmacists are integrated into the team and seen yeah. as being an important part of that team. We still have eyebrows raised for constantly. Going on about laxatives and stress ulcer prophylaxis, though.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, I guess that sort of thing is everyone's job, but especially when it's prescribing, it's completely ideal role for the pharmacist there to be pointing out things that may be easily forgotten if it's not to do with the ongoing active treatment of the condition.
1: And I think something else that ties into that, and again, where the role possibly differs from a ward pharmacist, is that because you generally stop these medicines or a vast proportion of people's medicines that are not critical when they get to care, and because you quite often can't communicate effectively with the patient, you end up meds wrecking every day, basically. So, you know, you're coming back to that medicine's history all the time. You're re-reviewing the medicines that they're on. You're re-initiating things. And then right through to discharge, you know, you meds rec again on discharge, you need to make yeah. sure that information is going on to the next care, yeah. whether that's the war home or the GP.
0: Well, I guess as well, it's making sure that particularly the doctors haven't made errors in leaving critical care related medications on a prescription that actually don't need to be carried on and shouldn't be carried on outside of the unit as well. Provenly common ones
1: are stress ulcer prophylaxis, whether that's PPIs or an Italy. But I think a PPI, everybody's on a PPI. It slips through the net quite a lot. at There's an assumption that somebody came in on it. The other two drugs are sort of obviously less commonly prescribed, but still seem to escape from ITU quite a bit. And they would be antipsychotics like haloperidol, and something like amiodrome for AF to sepsis that doesn't need long-term treatment. And part of the problem with that is then if it gets out to the GP, the GP will just see amiodrome started in the hospital and assume that the patient's meant to be on it forever and maybe not necessarily question it uh, you know it started not just in hospital but on itu they must need to stay on it when actual fact you know that's the last thing they want is
0: what do you think the future holds for um, for pharmacists in intensive care the future's good it's an interesting place to work we're integrated
1: into the team There will be an expansion in terms of weekend service and stuff because that's happening across the hospitals. And so there will need to be, even the smaller ITUs will need a team of trained critical care pharmacists to some extent to provide some sort of seven-day service. In with that, I think you could see in the future consultant pharmacist posts because people would need that supervision uh, Mm -hmm. and oversight. And so I think it will change the way that we work. I think maybe the future is not in necessarily thinking about just the pharmacy team being from a certain hospital maybe there will have to be some rotation expansion between hospitals or at least regional input so I think whereas a lot of roles you probably get to a certain level and then it's into management there might be some you know down the line some opportunity for extended consultant pharmacist type roles for quick care.
0: So just to finish off Greg have you got anything extra that you'd want to say about pharmacists that we haven't covered?
1: Yeah, I think pharmacy is an interesting, exciting profession, and you can make of it what you want. As you are essentially the only pharmacist rather than one of many medics or many nurses, you can really get your teeth stuck in and lead on a lot of things. So, guidelines, research, as long as you're motivated, you can find things to keep yourself interested and your mind active.